you could worship God together. Thank you. Thank you very much. Comes time now that we open God's Word. We talked about that in that song we sang, didn't we? We open God's Word. Billy, would you come as I introduce you? I'm so humbled and happy and thrilled also to introduce my son in the ministry. He is my son physically, but he's also my son in the ministry. And he's also my brother also in the ministry. And when we get to heaven, it's not going to be daddy and son. It's going to be, we'll all be the same. And I want... And I love Amen. you, Billy. I love you too, Dad. And I want to pray for you before we go. Father, in Jesus' name tonight, you've opened up heaven to us. We've been able to see Jesus, Lord, in this service through song. Lord, it's uplifted you. It's glorified you. Now we're going to open a part of your word tonight. My son, my brother, my fellow minister, Billy Beaver, that you've sent this way, Lord, and we believe with all of our heart you've destined him for this week in history, even from the very foundation of the earth, to be here. And I want to lift up Billy tonight. I pray you'll undergird his mind. Bring back to remembrance those things that he studied, and Lord, as his heart's been open to just, Lord, bask in your love as you've been talking to him to preach. Now help us as he proclaims your word tonight that our ears will be open and our eyes will be open and our heart will be open and receptive tonight. Thank you for hearing us now and we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Make my son Billy Beaver welcome to this pulpit again. Thank you, Billy. All I can say tonight is just, I've already been to church. I could go home and say it's been good. But, you know, we want to open God's Word. I mean, we actually want to open His Word and hear from Him tonight. But I want to tell you, I've been to church already. Man, I'm going to, yes, I'm an emotional person. I am. So uh, I may may do some boo-hooing tonight as we go along. And uh, I don't apologize for that because, you know, I used to apologize for it and say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I'm crying. But I found out it's good for your sinuses. <laughs> right? Man, my, my nose is, I was all stopped up, brother. But I'm not now. I'm ready. <laughs> God has a way of working with us, hasn't he? Well, man. I want to thank our, uh, the, the young men and ladies of this church, Theresa Baptist. I want to thank you guys. For that wonderful meal and the wonderful hospitality you guys uh, gave us tonight. And I want to thank you for being a part of this church, this great church. You guys aren't the church of tomorrow. You're the church of right now. I want you to know that. And uh, this church should be proud to have uh, leaders like you, my brother. Stan, right? Stan, yes. And uh, others that I've met tonight, God bless you for being a part of this because this, this, these young people are, are going to grow. They're going to reach out into this community, and, and Roxborough is going to be changed. Person County is going to be changed, and the world is going to be changed Amen. through these young people. I can tell you that. So thank you 
Thank you, thank you, thank you. And I want to say thank you for that music that we just heard in that worship. I'm just going to say worship that we've been led in tonight because if you can't preach after that, I don't know there's something wrong with you, right? Because the Lord God is here with us tonight. Amen. And I believe that revival has come. Revival is coming to the land. Revival is coming to America again. I can tell you that. And we, as I said Sunday morning here, and I stood here and I said, I want to help you to be prepared for revival. Because it's coming whether we we want it or not. But we need to be prepared if we want to receive it. I talked about that on Sunday morning. And then last night for uh, Sunday night, I, I spoke on love and the supremacy of love, God's love, agape love, the, the love that, that we stand upon. We stand upon the word of God, but the word of God is his very living word. That's why we can say we can stand upon his word because it's trustworthy. Amen. It's true. And it speaks to us every day. In our lives and others, other people's lives. So with that in mind, talking about being prepared for revival, and then last night talking about the love, which is the power, I would say, the power uh, that we have whenever God begins to, to put his Holy Spirit in us, when we accept him into our lives. I want to go in a kind of a vein, I guess, uh, uh, where we're going to be continuing to kind of build upon what we began to talk about. I didn't want to bring a series of messages to you to have something just different every night, just that nothing was connected. I wanted it to build and build and build and, and until the last night it could build and just keep right on going. So what I've chosen to do tonight and tomorrow night is to speak out of the book of Revelation. So if you would open your Bibles to the last book in the Bible, which is Revelation. And you know what? As you're turning there, uh, I got reprimanded many times in Bible college and and also in college and uh, other places for calling that this book Revelations because it's not Revelations, and I've truly understood that. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so that's it. And if we really understand this and we see it and we catch it, we'll understand what, uh, how truly this, how powerful this book is uh, when we turn and we, when we talk about it tonight. Now, I want you to turn to chapter 3. Chapter 3 in the book of Revelation. Now, I want you to hold your, hold your place there for just one second because I want to talk to you before we really get started tonight. The Apostle John wrote these words. He was given these words uh, by an angel and uh, actually while he was on the Isle of Patmos and he was, he was uh, incarcerated and being held there. And so he had a vision and uh, this vision was actually Jesus Christ coming to him and it was the revelation. If, you, and if, if you'll just turn back one page, just one page in my Bible, the very first couple of words of this revelation says the revelation of Jesus Christ that God gave him to show his slaves what must quickly take place. He sent it and signified it through his angel to his slave, John. It is the revelation 
of Jesus Christ. So it's a vision that John saw. And we sang about that tonight, I believe. We talked about uh, John, and, and we, we have songs that's talking about John the Revelator. I love those songs. But as we look at this, as we look at this scripture, and especially these first few verses here, first, actually first uh, couple of chapters here uh, in Revelation, we say that God gave uh, John a vision. Uh, Jesus Christ spoke to the church. Now, I tell you, in my Bible, I've got red letter edition of the Holman Christian Standard, and it's just, it's, it looks like blood. It's just full of red letters, right? It's because Jesus is speaking there, uh, and we know that. We know that to be true. Uh, Jesus had a message to seven churches, and, and I believe they were specific churches. I believe they're real churches, folks. I understand all the theology behind this. I've had theology classes. I've had all, all the training. I understand that. I, I understand all the theories behind all this. But I really believe these are seven churches, and I believe they can relate to us even today because we can see ourselves. We can see ourselves as a church inside of all these, not just one, but we can see ourselves in all these. So John seen... Um, uh, Jesus gave the revelation and he gave a message to seven churches there in a, a place called Asia Minor. Now, the first, cup, first chapter was focused on Jesus himself. It was focused on Jesus Christ and him risen, him glorified, him uh, ascended back into heaven, being glorified as Lord of all, King of kings, Lord of lords, talking about Jesus Christ. But as we move along into the next couple of chapters, we see, and, and if you have headings in your Bible, you're going to see that uh, we see seven churches that he spoke to there. Seven specific churches, as I said, that he gave specific messages. And I want us tonight to look for just a few moments of what he had to say to the church that uh, is called Sardis in chapter 3. The church at Sardis. But first, I want to do something. I want to kind of use this as an illustration tonight. I have, I have a glass of uh, ice in this cup, and I have a, a glass of, uh, or a cup of water in this. I want this to represent tonight, I want this to represent the world, the culture that we live in, the world that we live right now in, okay? That's the world. I want this glass of ice, I want it to represent us, each one of us individually, okay? So remember that. This ice represents us. The water represents the world. Now, I want to pique your interest, and I want you to stay with me throughout the message because I will come back at the end, and I want to I bring us a couple of thoughts through that illustration there, okay? And we'll come back to that in just a few moments. But if we're going to understand this message that Jesus gave to this specific church there uh, in Sardis, we've got to understand just a little bit about this place called Sardis. And let me just give you a few thoughts, a few, uh, few nuggets of gold, I say, about, uh, of even history of this church. In the 6th century uh, B.C., Sardis was the capital of the Lydian kingdom, and it was a rich place. I'm talking about uh, they had a lot of, of, of good things going. They had a lot of uh, wealth, tremendous wealth in this place. It, actually, uh, some, some commentators say that this was one of the richest places in the ancient world. 
Wow, that's, that's, that's amazing, isn't it? One of the richest places in the ancient world. This place had been conquered at least three different times. This is important to know, folks. It was first or at one time conquered by the Persians. And then another time it was conquered by not only the Persians, but the Greeks under Alexander the Great. You see, I'm seeing a pattern here. I don't know about you, but different cultures are starting to come in, right? So you've got a hodgepodge of different things coming in. And then finally it was conquered by Rome and really taken over by Rome mostly because actually of an earthquake and the, and the influence came on with Rome a lot more because there was an earthquake uh, in 17 BC that Rome had to help build back the city. And so, man, you, you almost owe Rome, right? You, you owe your soul to the company store. You owe everything you have to them because they helped you build back. And so that's what uh, uh, Sardis became. They became indebted to Rome. Now, let me tell you something. They had a very tremendous influence. They were influenced by the Greeks hugely. Uh, if you know anything about Greek mythology, listen, I'm not a professor of this, I know just just little uh, bits about it, but they especially uh, looked up and worshipped uh, one of the goddesses, Artemis. Artemis, which is associated partially with uh, reproductive power. And this was a goddess at Sardis. Now, they were even trying to build a temple, a temple to this god. But as I understand it, it was never finished. I think there was, all my studies, I think there was one in Ephesus, actually, that was finished. And it, man, it was like, wow, this, this, is, this is, is unbelievable. One of the seven uh, wonders of the ancient world. But this temple here that they were trying to build to this God was never finished. And so it could, we could probably see the, the infatuation with, with um, immortality. The infatuation with immortality. And I can, I can give you just a thought on that and go just a little bit further. Their, their infatuation with, with uh, living on forever and ever. And I'm not talking about living on forever and eternal life with Jesus. But I'm talking about being things like being reincarnated. That kind of stuff. That kind of idea. Okay? That kind of cultural idea that was possibly, possibly happening here. Now, here's where it gets kind of scary. Okay, in excavations later on down in history, it was found that there was possibly a Jewish synagogue, a Jewish church right next to a Roman bath and a Roman gymnasium. I'm talking about, and some studies I've done was saying that it was almost connected in the same complex. You've got, a, you've got a church right in here just connected all in the culture. And so I hope I'm building, I'm painting the picture before we get into the, only the two points that I've got for you tonight. They're powerful points from God's word, but what, what, it, what we're talking about tonight, I pray is going to help us in, in uh, our relationship to our community, but especially our relationship with the Lord God Almighty as he empowers us to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, that God empowers us to spread the gospel all around this world. So, this was a pagan community. A pagan community. A Jewish synagogue was found 
was unearthed and excavations was found next to this this, uh, complex. I want to leave you with a thought tonight. I want to leave you with something that I've I've said almost every every night this week. I say that I want to leave you with something. I want to leave you with a statement. I want to kind of explain where I'm going. I want to give you like a a roadmap, like like a a person, the uh, uh, airline pilot, a lot of times he'll come over the airlines and he'll, a lot of times, not all the times in the world, time in the world, right? Uh, but, but most of the time they'll come on and they'll kind of tell you where you're headed, how long it's going to take to get there and all that. That's what I want to help you to do. This is where we're going tonight. What matters most in your life and my life and in this life in general that we live in is not a religious reputation in front of people. But it's our standing before God Almighty. It's not our reputation in front of people, our religious reputation, all the good things that we can do. It's not that. That's not the most important thing in the world, folks. Our most important thing, and before we leave this life and go into the next, and guaranteed that's one thing that's going to happen, you and I are going to go into another. We're going to go into eternity. It's just where are we going to spend that, with God or away from God? One or two places. One, you know what? We don't preach that anymore. We don't tell anybody about that. Well, I want to tell you, this old preacher does. There's a place to be uh, looked for, and that is heaven. And there is a place to be shunned, and that is a place the Bible calls hell. And there's only two places that we can spend eternity. And I pray, I pray tonight, if you've not made that right with God tonight, if you have not made that right, if you have not made your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ right, I pray you do that tonight. You say, preacher, are you sending an invitation right now? My invitation started before the before this worship service started tonight, folks. There's only two places that we're going to spend eternity. And the most important thing in this life that we live in right now is not our reputation, our religious reputation in front of people, but it is our standing before God. And that's related to how we live. Now let's finally get to the scripture, okay? We're going to look in chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse 1, and let's start uh, reading there in verse 1. John says, write to the angel, and this is Jesus actually speaking, write to the angel of the church in Sardis, the one who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars says, I know your works. Now listen to what he says. You have a reputation. He tells Sardis this. Now I want to stop there just for a second. That word reputation there actually literally means name. And we'll see that word again in just a moment, okay? Just think that way. That word literally means a name. Sardis, you've got a name in the community, okay? You've got a name in the community. And he says, you've got a name for being alive. But the saddest words in the Bible come next. But you are dead. Be alert and strengthen what remains 
which is about to die. For I have not found your works complete before my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Keep it and repent. But if you are not alert, I will come like a thief. And you have no idea what hour I will come against you. But you have a few people. This is a commendation in Sardis who have not defiled their clothes. And they will walk with me in white because they are worthy. In the same way, the victor will be dressed in white clothes, and I will never erase, listen to that, never erase what his name, okay? There's that word again from the book of life, but will acknowledge his name before my father and before his angels. Now, he ends every single message to the church like this in verse 6. Anyone, anyone who has an ear should listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. That tells me right there, let's perk up. Jesus says, perk up, listen to me. We think we don't need to hear it, but folks, we do. We need to hear this, folks, and we need to hear this message tonight. I can guarantee that, not because I said that, but because Jesus said that. He's saying, perk up, perk up, listen up. We need to to hear this. So the key word that I want us to kind of look at tonight is that word reputation, Reputation. Remember, I said it means it has the the literal uh, meaning of of name. Name. Listen. It seemed like the surrounding community of Sardis had tremendous. Uh, this church had tremendous influence in community. Jesus said that, man, you've got a reputation of being a a great church in this community, a great help. They were doing possibly great things, right? Doing great works. Wonderful. Man, you've got a good name in the community. You've You've got a great history in the community. This is what he was telling this church at Sardis. You've got a great history. You're connected even to the community. But what is sad here is those next words that Jesus said. You've got that great reputation, but you're on the verge of dying. And matter of fact, he said, you're, but you're dead. He said, you're dead to this church. You have that glorious past. You have that glorious history. You've got this that you can stand on. You're, you're even, he said, basically, I'm just kind of giving you kind of a rundown here of, of what I, I possibly could think about what they would say uh, here about that church. Uh, that they could have, the civic leaders in the community would have said, man, we could call on you anytime we need you, church. Right? You, you're going to be there for us. You're going to be there for us through thick and thin. You're going to be there all through. Man, we can't praise you enough. And then, But then we go back to where Jesus says, You think you're alive. You have the reputation of being alive, but you're dead. I will say again, Theresa, we need to hear this. Church in America, we need to hear this. Church all over the world of Jesus Christ, we need to hear this today. And there's two points that I want to leave you with, and this is the first one tonight. Two thoughts, two simple thoughts that I want to leave you with. It is not, not what we've done in the past that matters the most. And I'm talking to us as a church right now. And I'm also talking to you as individuals right now, okay? I'm talking to myself. I'll be like my dad. He's often, I don't know if he said it up here yet, but he says, hey, man, I'm not pointing at you. If I point at you, I got three or four pointing right back at me, 
Right? So I'm, I'm preaching to me too. Folks, I get under conviction just like you do. I want to tell you, I probably get under conviction more than you do. If I'm going to preach God's word, I better be right with him. Amen. I better have been down on my knees praying and, and getting, getting connected to my Lord before I preach his word. Man, I couldn't get up here and say a word about what you need to do if I'm not doing the thing that I'm telling you that you need to do. Man, I would be just a sounding brass, wouldn't I, as a pastor? Yes, I want to proclaim God's word, but I'm telling you, this is for me too. I'm getting, God, I even get, uh, I do get convicted on this. So it's not what we have done in the past that matters the most. It is what God is a, allow, or what you are allowing God to do in your life, in your church right now. Amen. That's great. We've got a great past. We can stand on that great past. But what is God doing with you now? Are you growing? Are you maturing? Are you continuing to mature? How many people have you discipled lately? I'm talking about really discipled, that you spend time with them day and day, possibly once or twice a week. I want to tell you something. There's a, a gentleman in the North Carolina Baptist Convention that I've become good friends. His name is John Gordy. Bless that man's heart. He came to China Grove, and uh, we have these places all over North Carolina. They're calling Lost Pockets. You may know what I'm talking about when I say that. You have a lost pocket in this area. And how do we, how do we even evaluate? How does North Carolina Baptist say that there's a lost pocket in the area? Because they've done surveys and other things in that area to find out who goes to church, what kind of things do they believe, who do they believe in, what do they put their faith in. And what we find out is something very alarming, folks. There are so many people that don't know the Lord and we think they do. And we drive right by their houses every single day thinking they know the Lord. Oh, they know the Lord. They go to church somewhere. Folks, that's just not true. And so this man from the convention, John Gordy, came down and met with me and he said, Billy, I want to help you in your community. To, to, to be, I want you to be the catalyst. I want you to be the, the main guy to grab these churches in your community and somehow rally them to, to find out how you as churches can reach these lost people. And folks, I want to tell you something. I'm not working with just Baptist churches. I've got some good Lutheran brethren. I've got some good Methodist brethren. I've got some precious Church of God brethren. I've got Pentecostals. i got, listen, anybody that has their faith placed in Jesus Christ that, that not just call themselves a Christian, but, but God knows them and he knows, he knows them. They know him. We work, we're working together to reach those in that community. You have that in this community. And uh, if some of you want to talk to me later on this week or tonight, I, I can even show you where you can find that, where you can find all that information, how you can get connected. John would love to come up here and to help you out with that. Maybe my dad had possibly said something about it, but, uh, but John is a, a wonderful man that has came in and, and to help us. Now, listen, listen, we thought we, we felt like we were doing good in China Grove. That's all our past. Oh, we got all these churches. Man, we got a church on every block. It's here, there, and everywhere. We're doing good things. And then John comes in and tells us, he's basically giving us a wake-up call and says, you're a dead area. You have, you have over half your people in this area that live in this area that don't know Jesus. 
Wow, that was a wake-up call for us. So it's not what we, not that we just stand on our past and, and we can continue. There's nothing wrong with, with uh, being happy about what you've done in the past and looking back and saying, praise the Lord. But folks, you can't remain there. I can't remain there. We as a church cannot just remain there. Now, throughout this message, well, the message that Jesus was giving here, there was a word play going on, and I've already given you a little bit of that. I said that word play was with the, the word name, remember? I said it was with the word name because he says that uh, you have that reputation, that name, that name in the community of being alive, but you're dead. But then he goes on down through those verses there, And he also says this, he said, although there are only a few people, and let's say names, there's only a few people who have not compromised themselves in verse 4. Jesus said to these faithful few, I will not blot your name out of the book of life. I will not blot your name out of the book of life. But in verse 5, he said, I will instead, I will instead acknowledge your name before God, the Father. The problem, probably in, in the church world more than anything else, I believe possibly this could be the problem is that our civic reputation, our reputation in the community, doesn't match Jesus' diagnosis of who we are as Christians. <laughs> Folks, this hits me in the face every day. I get up, and I want to I live for Christ. But I live in a world that doesn't live for Christ. And I run into people that don't want to follow Christ. And a lot of sometimes there's people that don't even want to hear me. If if I if I want to tell them about Jesus, they they don't want to hear it. Preacher, I don't I don't, you know I've tried that, but you know I, I I moved on. I moved on, and I've got something that I'm just happy with. I'm just happy with, and I, and I think I'll make it. There are so that's kind of the kind of world that we live in. But a lot of times we as people and we as churches. Our, our civic, our civic reputation, our reputation in the community doesn't match who we are. Listen, now I want to tell you, I bragged on Theresa all this. Well, I say all this week. I haven't been with you, but what two days? I feel like I've known you forever. <laughs> I really do. But you're a wonderful church, man. I'm not beating you. I'm not briar beating you or whatever. What's that called? Briar bush beating you? I'm not. Coming up here and saying, I'm going to beat you to death, and then I'm going to get out of here. It's like, it's like your grandkids. You can invite them over, and when they get unruly, you can say, get in your car and go back home, right? <laughs> I'm not going to. I don't want to do that. I want to encourage you also, folks. But we have to hear the literal truth. There's a truth that Jesus says that does, does our reputation match who we are as a church, match who we are as Christians? Because in this church at Sardis, everybody thought they were alive and well. They thought they had it all figured out. But Jesus said, you are either dead or you're about to die. <coughs> 
But it's important for us to see that even though the entire community, this entire community here that we read about tonight appears to be spiritually dead, there were some that remain faithful to the Lord. And in the Bible, some, some versions say they, haven't, they have not soiled their garments, right? They haven't, they haven't been influenced by the world. They've still stayed faithful, and that few are good and faithful people. Folks, I want to tell you something. You got some, you got some people at this church. Woo, you got a lot of people at this church that are faithful, and they are faithful to the Lord. And you say, well, yeah, I know that. You know what? There's some people you don't know about. And you say, well, preacher, how do you know that? I don't know them, but I can guarantee you there are people in this church that's down on their knees praying every single night for Theresa Baptist Church. And they're praying for you. And they're praying for me. Guaranteed. There are people here tonight that has not soiled their garments. Hasn't been influenced by this world. Folks, I want to tell you, we, and I hate to beat the world up, but it's the truth. We live in a world that seems to just not even blush anymore. My goodness. We don't even blush at things. And man, my grandpa, and I, you, you think, well, you're an old timer. I'm only 50. I was born in 1966, whatever that makes me. But uh, I guess I grew up going to revivals with my dad. And hearing preachers preach the word of God to preach the gospel. I even said myself back then, I'm not going to do that. And I even ran from God a long time until he got a hold of me. But folks, I want to tell you something. There are some good things about the past. And we shouldn't forget, forget everything in the past. I'm not saying that tonight. Jesus is not saying that tonight. But we can't live on those can't do that because folks will die we will die if we do just that and say you know we're just going to stay here we're not we're not going to we're not going to obey the lord we're just going to stay the stay here and possibly we're kind of like we're on life support right until somebody comes along and finally pulls the plug on us Folks, I, I underlined something that I wanted to really say tonight in my notes that I had wrote down. It's way too easy for us to become dependent on our past spiritual accomplishments, but ignoring our present relationship with the Lord. Way too easy. Way too easy. Now listen, there's another thing I want to leave you with tonight. Another, another thought, another uh, point, if you will. As followers of Jesus, we must be concerned more about what God thinks and not what people think. Amen. More concerned about what God thinks and not what... That's a hard one, though. I'm going to tell you. Preachers compare themselves. Man, I can't preach as good as that preacher can. Singers compare themselves. Man, I can't sing as... What you should be doing, praise the God. Praise the Lord. And I learned this from my dad. You know, I can brag on my father because, man, he gets right in there. He, he's not sitting here going, uh, and I've learned this from you, dad. 
that you're not comparing yourself to that person and saying, you're just trying to cheer them on. Come on, brother, preach it, preach it. And, and, and we as singers, I sing and, and I try not my best not to compare myself to someone else. Listen, we're all in this together. We're worshiping together tonight. Thank you, choir, for leading us into the presence of the Lord. Holy Spirit, rain down. Are we really wanting him to rain down on us? Or is it just words we're saying? When you tell your mom and dad that you love them, do you mean that? When you tell someone you'll be there for them, do you mean that? Or is it just words that you say? Because if you don't mean them, don't say them. We don't even need to have those words in our mouth if we don't believe them. We've got to be concerned about what God thinks and not what people think, folks, in this life. Jesus issued five commands in these few verses here. I'm going to run through them very quickly. He tried, or not tried, he was shocking these people back to life. And the first was this, and I'm not going to scream. I could say it real loud, but I'm not going to say I think it speaks volumes. He said, wake up. Amen. Wake up, church. I think that's what I'm, I'm here personally to do this week. I used to think, what, what, what am I for? What, what I, I can't even talk right half the time, right? I'm not an English major. I've, I've had a lot of English in college. That didn't do me a bit of good. I still talk like an old hick. But you know what? God uses this old hick anyway. Man, I'm sure, do you think Jesus had the best vocabulary in the world? Man, he cared about souls. He said, I came to save the sick. I came to heal the sick. I didn't come to, to heal somebody that didn't want to be healed. Jesus came to save us. So the first, the first command was to wake up. And we see in Matthew 25, 13, he says, Therefore be alert because you don't know the day or the hour. The day of the hour of what? When we're going to see him face to face and one of these days we're going to be judged, folks. I know you've heard that. One of these days we will be judged. I'm going to be judged for all my works. Now listen, I... We don't have work salvation. In other words, you can't work your way to heaven. But if you are saved, if you are a blood-bought believer, there should be fruits that you're bearing in your life. And others should be able to see that. Others should be able to see that. And the Apostle Paul was so elegant, uh, eloquent in in telling telling us that and talking about that. Really, Jesus is telling this church that they need to realize, listen, they need to realize their condition, realize their condition, but be willing to do something about it. Amen. I've seen people before, I've seen people before that had sores or something that were uh, possibly on them, and they overlooked that sore and just ignored it and kept going and kept going. And what, what happens to that sore? It keeps getting worse. And then it look, looks like, my goodness, it, it's turned red and blue and it's getting big and that's nasty, isn't it? 
They don't ever do anything about it. They see it. It's like, whoa, I'm acknowledging that it's there. Yeah, it's there. But I'm not doing anything about it. That's what Jesus is saying. You can't just acknowledge it. That's what you need to do and you and I need to do. We need to acknowledge our condition. We need to realize what our condition is. But we need to do something about it. Secondly, he said that those that there are those on the verge of spiritual death, listen, that need to be strengthened and encouraged. Amen. That need to be strengthened and encouraged. What does that mean? That means those, those of us that are strong. And listen, we're not perfect by no means. But those of us that are strong, we should be the prayer warriors. We should be the people that encourage, not tear people and tear others down, right? There should be, and, and I love that about Theresa Baptist Church. I really do. It, it seems as if there's no, there's no uh, I, I know we all churches, all places possibly have some form of dissension somewhere. I'm not saying we don't have it at all, that it's not prevalent at, at all here. But I pray that it's not prevalent a lot because if it is, I don't see it much. You're hiding it pretty good if you do have it, okay? But folks, those of you that are strong need to be helping your brothers and sisters. Man, we have some great young people here. Thank y'all. We've got some wonderful leaders that give their time because they love these young. They're, They're not wanting an award. Now, it's good to be recognized. I understand that. But they're not wanting, you're not wanting, wanting an award. You don't do it for that. I know you don't. We don't do anything like that but for anybody but the Lord. Amen. But we do need to encourage them to help them. You say, well, I can't do that. I, I, I can't help in, in the uh, youth ministry or I can't help. I can't teach a Sunday school class or I can't be a greeter at the door or uh, I can't be a security person or I can't. Folks, if you keep saying I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, you'll never do it. You, you'll never do it. You, you'll get into that place and, 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 man, you'll see somebody coming down the hall and, I can't, I can't, you're not even, wait a minute, I haven't even asked you yet. I was going to ask you, do you want a million dollars? There's a lady, wasn't that uh, Miss, Miss uh, oh my goodness, not Helen, but uh, Marie. Uh, was it Marie? We went and saw her in the, in the Duke Hospital today, and, and her and my dad laughed there together. And I think around the first time you asked her, first one of the first times you met her, he said, he said, do you need anything, Marie? She looked up at him and said, yeah, a million dollars. So my dad said, I learned not to ask those kind of questions anymore. I learned, man, I need to rephrase those things. <laughs> I don't think we have a million dollars, do we? <laughs> We need to support and we need to strengthen what we have. Because you, you, Theresa Baptist, you do have people that are still, still powerful for the Lord and still hanging in there. Listen, thirdly, Jesus said that these people needed to remember, listen, what they had received and they'd been taught by Jesus and the apostles. Remember it. What, what does that mean? 
For us today, it means that we stand on the Word of God. God has given us, oh, a precious gift right here. Amen. He's given us a gift. It's right here. It's the living Word of God. And yes, we should be in this Word of God, studying it. We should be meditating on it. But we should not be in here saying, let's see. Oh, I see Bob or Jane or... Tommy or who, that would be good for them, right? We always do that, don't we? We're good at that. But how about putting our own name in there? I know a lot of people do this, but put your name in there sometime. Like in John three sixteen, For God so loved Billy. Woo, man, that'll put you on a spiritual high that you won't ever come down off of. Let God, let God uh, meet with you. Let God heal you. Let God speak to you in your life. So he's told this church, he said, remember, remember what you've received as the truth, the faith that's taught by, that was taught by Jesus and passed down by his apostles. But they must do more than just remember. They must also keep, obey, and live out what they are told. In other words, if you see for us, if you see something in the Bible, then we need to start saying, hey, that's where I need to get right. Amen. That's where I need to get right. Man, when I'm preparing messages, a lot of times I have to get down on my knees and confess right there. I say, Lord, I can't preach this message. And he says, well, well then I guess we need to go to the woodshed, don't we? we? You need to get right. And I say, yes, Lord, I do. I want to get right right now. Man, man, Lord, I want to be right with you. Amen. Because when I see you one of these days, I want, to, I want to be blameless. I want to be perfect. But I want to have your righteousness. So, oh, man, what Amen. Paul says that we put on a cloak of righteousness. <laughs> and when, when God looks through Jesus, when he looks through Jesus' righteousness, not our righteousness, when he looks through Jesus, he sees us as perfect individuals. Even though we were still sinners, Jesus died for us, the Bible says. Because he sees Jesus and not us. Some of you haven't caught that yet. You just don't know how a God could do that. He sent his son into this world just to do that very thing, folks. And finally, it, all this leads to repentance. Man, what could you do but repent, right? Oh, man, when we were singing tonight, I could think about Isaiah. I thought about Isaiah, and he's talking about when he went into the temple, and he saw the train of the robe of God of, and saw the glory of God. What did he say that he could do? Man, all he could do, all he could do was bow down, bow down and say, man, I'm unworthy. I'm unworthy. I'm unworthy. You see, a lot of times we want to tell people, and folks, I don't have anything wrong was standing on the corner and preaching. I mean, we need more people doing that. But I want to tell you something, folks. When people really see God and see the fullness of who he is, they're not going to be able to do nothing else but repent. It's not that you say, point fingers and say, you need to repent. You need to repent. You need to repent. That's never going to... We should tell people that. Yes, we have to tell people that. But I can't make them repent. You've got to share the word of God, but man seeing the glory of the Lord, why not live it out, live, live that precious life of Jesus out in front of other people, and that way you'll, you'll and befriend those people, and you'll be able to tell them about Jesus because they'll say, how did you make it through that? 
And you say, let me just tell you about my Jesus. Let me tell you how I made it through that tragic death. Let me tell you how I made it through that illness. And let me tell you how I made it through that near-death experience. Let me tell you how I made it through that divorce. Let me tell you how I made it through that breakup. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about tonight. And I'll tell you, there's things in my life that I've been through that you're going through, I guarantee you, right now, and I didn't know how I was going to make it. It was only by the grace of God. Guaranteed, this only way I was able to make it. Because I could never say and talk myself into anything. It was God that had to do this in my heart and my life. So I want to come back to this illustration. Some of you thought a while ago, you said, Preacher, you forgot to put that ice in there. But I didn't. I did that on purpose. I began with this illustration just a little while ago. And I hope this hits home for you. But the most dangerous place to be in the church is alone. The most dangerous place to be in the church is alone. When we don't have each other to help each other move each other along, to move each other forward, to disciple each other, to care for one another, we will be like those ice cubes in this water that I have up here. Remember what the water represented? It represented the world. And what did that ice represent? You and I. We'll be just like that ice if we don't, if we think we can do it alone. If we think we can just do it alone, come to church, have our church attendance, and not be a part of the church in any way, shape, or form. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. You're going to need a friend one day. You're going to need somebody to pray for you. You're going to need somebody to just sit and listen to you and to cry with you. I know I do. I know I do. I have Jesus, yes, but I need my brothers and my sisters. I need them with me. This is why that we need to reach out, each and every one of us, and at least find one other person that can help us stay awake. Somebody, I didn't say they had to be your best friend, but they've got to be somebody that's willing to walk with you and talk with you and be with you. How does that be, how does that apply into our church life and our individual life, really? It could be that you need to join a small group at this church. It could be, and I know you have a wonderful Sunday school. I know you do. You got some awesome Sunday school classes, but you need more. How do I know that? How do I know that? Because I know that you have more people coming for worship than you do in your small groups. And I know you have, you have a, listen, you have a good attendance in your small groups. You have a wonderful Sunday school program here. Awesome Sunday school program. But folks, what does Jesus say? Jesus wants to keep pushing us. I want to help you tonight. I want to push you a little bit further. 
Man, wouldn't it be great to have more Sunday school classes even that you had people in the community that could possibly come into the small groups in Sunday school before they even came into church? That could be their way into the church. They may, they may tell you all, I'm never going to step into that church. I'll never step into a church, but they could step into your home. Amen. They could come to a cookout at your house. Somebody that doesn't know the Lord. Somebody that maybe has been hurt in church or something like that. I don't know. Somebody that just needs another person in the Christian life. So it could be that some of us tonight need to join a Sunday school class. It could be that some of us need to start probably stepping up and being greeters here at the church. Maybe we need to step up and be a Sunday school leader. Wow. I can't teach, preacher. I can't do that. Man, I'd love to hear somebody that had never taught before. Praise the Lord. I'd sit back and cheer them on, wouldn't you? We need others to walk through this life together with us. We don't want it to be said of us. And most certainly don't want it to be said of our church. And the church in general. What Jesus said to Sardis. You have the reputation of being alive. But you're dead. I wonder as the, the musicians come up right now for a hymn of invitation. I wonder, is there something that you need to say yes to God tonight about? I want to. I want to. I want to. I want to set up the invitation like this tonight. Maybe for Christians first. Maybe you are saved. You're a blood pot Christian. You know the Lord, but for years you've just sat back in the back, and you sat back and you said, "Well, I can't do that, or I won't do that." Folks, why not make tonight the night you say yes to God? You walk out of here, you're a brand new person. Man, people will start looking better to you. People you thought that, that, man, they looked sour and all that, they'll start looking better. The days, the days that will be all cloudy and there's no sun out, they'll even be beautiful. Man, I want to tell you something, Cindy, I love you to death. Because you, Lord have mercy, you get around you and you get to can't help us. And I'll tell you what, it could be, I'm telling you. Girl, I want to see you. At, man, when we get to heaven, we're going to walk on the streets of gold. And we're going to be running around on that. Praise the Lord. We can have that heaven right here on earth. Amen. Man, we need a church full of Cindy's. Amen. You know, I'm going to go ahead and do it. I'm going to say this. Last night, my sisters bust their hearts. They get excited and they get, they get kind of loud when they get excited. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. And me, I, I, I'm like this. I'm like, oh, man. You know <laughs> but you know what? I want to tell you something. My sisters are some of the most precious people in the world. Amen. Amen. And they love the Lord. And sometimes, maybe possibly, maybe when we see people having a good time in the Lord, we think, man, maybe we think we're jealous a little bit. We want just a little bit of that, right? What is it that God's speaking to you tonight? I don't know what God wants you to do. Some of you here tonight, 
Some of you here tonight think that you're possibly, uh, you've maybe, you're just retired or maybe you've been retired for years and you think, well, I, I, you know, I can't do that. There's a lot of you working at this church. I understand that. You say, preacher, my goodness, what are you trying to do? Get us all doing something? Absolutely. Wouldn't that be great if we were all doing something? <laughs> Man, I don't know. Somebody get out there and cut the grass or something. I don't, I don't know. Stand and park cars out there on Sunday morning or hand bulletins out. Start somewhere low like that. Or get, get look, one way you could stand, you could stand uh, right at the Sunday school class and greet people as they come in and say, man, it's good to have you here today and just give them a smile. It could be as simple as that. But would you heed the call of Jesus Christ today and, man, get with somebody and let them be that person. Let them be that person that's going to encourage you. And you know what? Maybe you need to, you're getting convicted tonight, and you say, you know what? I know that person. I know that person that I could be a help to. Maybe you could go to that person tonight before we leave out here and say, you know what? I just want to help you out. First of all, I want to pray for you, but maybe we could connect sometime over coffee or something. But let me tell you this, and let me leave you this, and we'll sing a song of invitation. Folks, you're never going to do any of that on your own. You have to know the Savior. And my prayer is that if you don't know Him tonight, that you make tonight the night that you make that decision to make that right in your life because you will never regret it, number one. But you can't do it on your own. You have to have Jesus. And you say, preacher, what do I do? The first thing you need to do tonight is just step out and make that first step. I'm telling you, it's going to get easy. Man, whenever I step out, when I stepped out my first time, the first time, it was like I was walking on a cloud. Because God helped me. He helped me walk. Would you stand with us tonight? I wonder, what decision do you need to make tonight? In a moment we're going to sing, I, I pray that you'll come and, and take uh, the pastor by the hand, or it could be maybe as he uh, proceeds with the invitation in a minute, but there'll be plenty of people down here to pray with you tonight. But make that decision tonight, tonight, folks. Panama 464. <laughs>
We'd like to sing another stanza. Somehow I believe tonight in this congregation there are some that perhaps are just hanging on. The Holy Spirit has spoken, maybe for salvation. You've never been saved. You don't know Jesus as your personal Savior. Maybe you have thought along the way that you are and that you were. You look back over your life and you realize tonight that that was just in the past. That was just maybe a response that we made somewhere along the way. You know what? I'd like for Billy, if you would share with us what happened to you. If you would, as a little boy, would you come and share with us what happened to you? You thought you were saved. Billy's going to share with us just a moment. You don't have to take too long with this, a testimony, but I want you to hear what he has to say. Well, I, I've been a, a preacher's son since as long as I can remember. And uh, so I've been in church. No, I, I, and matter of fact, younger, when I was younger, I thought maybe I was saved. I thought that, that I was just saved because I was in church. But then, as I got older, uh, back then and during that time, during the uh, 70s, uh, there was some movies that was being played through uh, all the churches, and one was called The Burning Head. And I saw that movie probably seven or eight times as a nine-year-old, eight- or nine-year-old. And I came down an aisle one night, and uh, I came that, that, down that aisle wanting to not go to hell. But I didn't really think about Jesus at all, to be honest with you. But I came down and I, I thought I was saved. I thought, you know, that I really made a decision for the Lord. If you know, I went back out as that eight or nine year old child that night thinking, thinking that I'd really made that decision. But listen, folks, from the, year, the years nine years old to 21 years old, I struggled every night of my life. I could not sleep in the middle of the night. I would stay awake at night, literally awake all night, thinking, Lord, if you were to come tonight, I wouldn't make it to heaven. I just wouldn't. And, and really, I knew what to do, but I didn't want to admit that. And it wasn't until a gentleman gave his testimony in a church that I was at in a revival. He was dying of cancer. As a matter of fact, after he gave his testimony, a couple of weeks later, uh, we were having his funeral. But he gave his testimony of coming to the Lord late, late, late in his life. And I sit back there and I held on to the pew so tight, so tight. I didn't want to make that decision. But finally I released and, and after the songs were over that night, I went home and I got with my dad in the study. And over a period, it literally took hours for my dad to pray with me and to help me to understand that Jesus loved me. Amen. And that Jesus wanted to save me. And folks, I'm going to tell you something. Ever since I've been 21 years old, I slept like a baby all the rest of my life. I know, I know, I know that I know the Lord Jesus Christ, and I know that He's that He saved me, not because of works, but because what He's done on the cross of Calvary. I, I pray that if that's happened in your life, maybe something like that has happened in your life. Maybe you 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 thought you made that decision, but God wants you to make that right tonight. I pray that that would happen. Thank you, Billy. Let's sing another stanza, like trying to 
stay here all night, but I want to tell you something. I have been in services where we did stay basically half of the night. I couldn't, I couldn't turn the service loose. And I said to people, if you have to leave, leave. The Holy Spirit is working in here and people continue to come. Maybe that could happen. I'm not trying to make it happen. I just feel like somebody needs to move tonight. I feel like somebody needs to move tonight. I know we've had some movement. God, I just feel that there's somebody that needs it tonight. This could be the last night. This could be the last opportunity. I don't know. Let's sing this. Lord Jesus, Lord Maybe sing a little. You've got something, I believe. We'll sing the chorus right here. <laughs> 